Humans, welcome to the M Word podcast brought to you by Martin. That's me and Matt. That's him over there. Hello, Matthew. Hello, Martin. Hello, Facebook. <laughs> Hello, Joseph. Thanks Hello. for joining us. Yeah, thank you very much for inviting us again. Pleasure. Best person, best ever dressed guest we've had. <laughs> <laughs> and you've also, who's off screen, he's bought, we're not sure it's his agent, his bouncer, <laughs> uh, or his driver, his Christian, who's off screen, uh, made chip in from, from time to time. Uh, so, thanks for coming down. Thank you very much. We want to chat about cyber, cyber security. We've met before, chatted about it. It yeah. can, uh, well, I find it a very fascinating subject. Yeah. Uh, loads of, sort of different areas to dig into. Yeah. So maybe we start with uh, hacks, because they're generally interesting stories. So maybe start with just from what you know of the hacks, how they got in the systems, etc. So Twitter, I think was one, Twitter Bitcoin one. Uh, the Twitter one was very, very interesting um, because of the, the mechanisms they used. They adopted social engineering, which has to do with playing on human psychology. You know, trying to reverse engineer human um, behavior, and they combine that with some technical tools as well to get into Twitter. Okay. Now, when you read the story carefully, you discover that they were able to take advantage of the fact that Twitter's developers, the engineers, used a cloud-based solution, Slack, to communicate for their internal communication, right? And there you share lots of information there, you know, how you get into the systems, passwords, internal uh, company memo shared on Slack. So the hackers were able to get to Slack, right? Mm -hmm. And get those information. It's like a chat channel, isn't yeah, it, Slack? Chat, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think it's just been sold. I think I read some recently, yeah, or bought. Salesforce, right? Yeah, yeah. Salesforce yeah. just acquired it. Um, now, the voiceless man in the corner. Yeah. Now, there are rules, you know, when you use all those third-party applications, which they probably did not adhere to. They did not follow all those security rules, restrictions, privileges, and all that okay. policies. And from there, they were able to gain access to internal, internal systems where they use for um they use to manage end user accounts admin management systems so there's a lot of failure you know if you audit the whole process when i read a hack story i want to know exactly how it happened mm -hmm. and most of these blogs you see may not give you that information we're just privileged to have some of these um closed source database like the NCSC ones, you know, mm. the US set ones that provides restricted access to confidential hacking hack information. Okay. Yeah, intelligence. So, so, so who's releasing that? Is that the, the hackers say this is how we got in or is it Twitter going, look, this is how they got in? The journalists, cybersecurity journalists normally have sources, okay. more sources. Most hackers are always proud to discuss Mm, their achievements. Their mm. achievements. It's, that's part of the, the prize. 
you know, but in this case, there's a lot of um, controversy. Some say it's uh, uh, Twitter users that were paid, the engineers that were paid oh, right, okay. to execute the hack, you know. But when you audit the story, a hacker is not going to tell you he paid an insider. It's burnt, his source, yeah, yeah. you know, he's destroyed his leverage for the next hack. Right, okay. You know, so the real story is maybe the company's embarrassed, too embarrassed to tell you exactly how. Yeah, you just told. From Slack, audit everything from Slack. What did you say on Slack that gave away some information? Maybe you put the, the, uh, the IP address, right? The public IP address there or the internal system information there that allowed you know access and do you know how long they were trying to get trying to get into the system now that's difficult to, t- to say you know without a good forensic investigation yeah you know most investigations are just system based there's no dynamic analysis of all the vectors involved we just go to the system oh we checked our database we discovered that um Find the failings. Somebody posted on behalf of Elon Musk. Okay. We check the database. Mm. Somebody posted on behalf of uh, Joe Biden, and that's it. So we've seen the fingerprint. Yeah. How did they get there? <laughs> yeah. You know. So from an experience perspective, first of all, look at how they were working. This incident happened during the lockdown, during working from home. So there was no supervision for these engineers. You know, they were using personal laptops, personal okay. devices, you know, out of the radar of the company. Yeah. You know, so. So any business, again, a, a lot of business has gone into yeah. lockdown now. That's a, a key you, fundamental thing yeah, to look at. Follow the trends. These hacks escalated during the lockdown, during the working from home model, because the company is going to trust your router. Yeah. Right? Our current security model is all about trust. I will trust your router. I will trust that you are not downloading malicious app on your phone mm-hmm. and reading maybe your Slack on your phone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you understand? Or I will trust that you're going to download the antivirus software on your laptop. Yeah. I will trust that you don't give your laptop, your work laptop to your wife, yeah. or your kids to play with. Yeah. yeah. You know, so we need a trustless model. You know? And that will involve a lot of honesty from the part of the senior management. Right? Security should not be a cost issue. It should be part of the, um, the pro- profit productivity okay. item in the company. It's not it's how much it's going to cost us. No, it's part of our profit model. I couldn't imagine many companies look at it that way, though. They don't. They no, don't. no, yeah. So, from the senior, from the board, the senior management, we start looking at, you know, we're not going to budget security. This is something that has to happen. We're going to do it when needed, you know, when needed. Reactive. Puts, puts a constraint on the budget. Yeah. And it must be, like, when, once the hack, once that hacks becomes aware, so I assume, yeah. you know, spotted maybe fairly quickly, yeah. to be able to, close the doors must be quite difficult because I assume certainly in that scenario, how do they know how many passwords for how many accounts they've got? I don't know whether they took Twitter down for three hours to reset everything, but I imagine that's one of the the real difficulties. Yeah, so it takes a lot of patience to understand 
who has access to what systems, you know, it's easy to find out all this information. If you put your profile, for example, on LinkedIn, I know you walk in Twitter. I know your job description. Mm. You know, yeah. If I act as a rogue recruiter and ask for your CV, you're going to give me your CV, your yeah. updated CV. Mm. Yeah. So I'm going to see the systems you work with. So I okay. know exactly what your company is using. <laughs> <laughs> you understand? So it's so easy to get those pre-attack information. Okay. The failure on the part of Twitter is the trust model. When somebody says, I'm using an admin tool to manage my customer accounts, right? So you want to block a user, you can easily block it. They have thousands of employees doing that. You want to audit what people post. You want to censor all this information. You can easily do that. Suspend accounts and all that. Why can't we have a multi-signature approach? Multi-signature authentication for things like posting. Okay, yeah, yeah. For things like changing emails. So what the hackers did was when they got access to their internal system, because if you see the screenshots of the administrative tool of Twitter, you know it's an application itself. See, proprietary, maybe a desktop application, you know, and you could do anything. I could, you could change your email address. Okay. Right? So they change the email address. The hacker was able to change the email address first. Hmm. Initiate a password reset. Yeah. So the reset went to the, to email the new address. Yeah. Now, how can you change email address without multi-factor yeah, without okay. multi-signature? Hmm. Somebody else should see that action triggered and approve yeah. or disprove of the action. In a, in a high, especially for high profile customers, yeah. like verified Twitter accounts, like Elon Musk, like Biden, um, uh, Kanye West, and all that. Yeah. Because the impact of that post was beyond reputation, was beyond how much did it steal? About $120,000. Okay. The impact was more. The stock price of Twitter came down. To, you know, they lost 4%. Uh, and I suppose outside of, yeah. I, I don't know what they did, particularly maybe with Elon, yeah. Elon Musk, where they post something that's negative about Tesla yeah. or something that will affect, immediately affect the stock price. Yeah, of course. Yeah. The stock mm. price came down. So investors well, lost money. Yeah. <laughs> Shareholders lost money. They put a ban on posting. Twitter put a ban. So if you have a business that you need to, you know, at that point, you've had a marketing budget for those days. I think it was four days ago. Took it down. If you have a marketing budget for that period, you've lost money because you can't advertise, you can't post. So, journalists were creating other accounts to post there, you know, mm -hmm. and they use the hacked account or the compromised, suspected compromise one to retweet, mm -hmm. you know, things like that. So, the impact, like I said the other time I was here, is hard to measure. Mm -hmm. You know, no matter how you do risk assessment, Probably ripple What's going to happen? I don't know. Yeah. Some CEOs resign. Right. Some take their lives. Okay. Commit suicide from the hack. Right. You know, ah. From the digital breach. So, so on that on that Twitter one, I think they put out a Bitcoin address and then and asked gave everyone half an hour to donate. Yeah. For some cause that was obviously made up, and I presume that was one hundred and twenty five thousand. Yeah, there were um, one hundred and some thousand. Yeah. And and hack wise, yeah, I mean, I'm sure each situation is different, but yeah. there's a lot of it just about. Because I can, or 
is maybe more of it about making money or is a bit of everything? For that case scenario, they could have posted anything. They could have tweeted anything mm. that would affect the world. Mm. Yeah, well, it's <laughs> mostly, when you put it in that context, it's not, isn't it? Yeah, but when it's money, when it's, oh, put some money here, then it's financial gain. Mm. I think in 2020, the easiest hack group, hacker group that we're dealing with now are financial motivators. Okay. You know? Yeah. If, if, it, if it's act, activists, they call them activists. Or um, just people who just want to destroy. Yeah. They don't want to promote any cause. They just want to destroy. Hmm. Like what they try to do with... Um, it's a the, funny motive, that, isn't it? Yeah, the New Zealand... So we're going to talk about the New Zealand... Yeah, go on. Let's go on to that. Yeah. yeah. So what, what they did with that was... Well, maybe give an overview of what happened there with yeah. the New Zealand Stock Exchange. Yeah, so that was just denial, distributed denial service attack. So if you see this room now, there is one access point into this room. And it can only take about two people at a time, or maybe one person at a time, depending on how big they are. So you have the capacity limit for entry, access. So what they did was to overflood these limits with clones, okay. robots. So that legitimate people, real human beings, won't be able to access it. Okay. So take a human being, clone them, and try to push them to access. They already know your capacity. Yeah. So that's what they did to the website of New Zealand Stock Exchange. They flooded the website with a lot of fake traffic. Okay. Because they've already done their research. I could get the bandwidth capacity of your website from your host provider. I will go to Continent 8 and say, I want to host a website that does stock exchange. You know? Yeah. And your host, your ISP is excited. They want to sell. They want to show how great they yeah, are. Yeah. <laughs> right? And say, oh, well, yeah, we did it for that. Uh, for something like that, oh, you're going to need like uh, maybe 5G, you know, 2G, 2 gigabytes, you know? Yeah. They will give you every information you need. So that reconnaissance can be used to execute the distributed denial service attacks. It's interesting that reconnaissance. Recon. Yeah. Recon. So recon, recon. Let's go recon. Because mm-hmm. uh, you mentioned earlier just about li- it, it will come on to personal data later, but yeah. that personal data when you talk about uh, just asking for someone's CV and on that CV is not necessarily where you work, but the software you work with. Just again, <laughs> stuff you. <laughs> yeah. I think when we last chatted, I talked about, and, and viewers and listeners might find at the end of this, that we're throwing their phones and laptops into the river. <laughs> no, that's the uh, risk um, destruction model, which it does not work, of course. As yeah. I say, do you, do you think there should be, I guess I'd say, more impetus on those sort of people, the ISPs or whoever? Someone's coming to me with an interesting question what's their motive behind it but I presume they're at that point more interested in the sale well yeah. I'm not the one who's probably going to get attacked or that sort yeah. of sense the, the problem is you cannot put emphasis on privacy you know and being too careful it's not going to happen it's impractical the emphasis is for the organisations potential victims to change their model of operation. So if you roll out a software, like case of Twitter, that allows you to manage end-user accounts, so define all the functions and attributes of that software, risk assess based on each function, what could go wrong, 
if I allow my engineer to change Elon Musk's email address, what's the worst case scenario? Yeah, okay. Yeah, I'll change it to my my email address in the back end. He doesn't know. Elon Musk doesn't know. Yeah. So okay, I need somebody else to authenticate the activity. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think internal risk assessment is the key. You mm-hmm. cannot say you're not gonna share your seat with a recruiter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not gonna happen. Yeah. You're not gonna go. So to go back to the New Zealand stock yeah. exchange, how how long was that it, problem? It was a huge. It took four days. Right. Yeah, they, so no trading. No trading for four days. Wow. Um, it was external, offshore, so it's not from New Zealand. Everyone suspects a nation state actor, mm-hmm. because one would imagine a New Zealand website is probably going to be affiliated to the government. So they have the infrastructure, the capacity, the bandwidth to withstand any malicious traffic. So why were they able to be, you know, why were they taking down for four days? It means something more greater okay. than their capacity, something well-funded, an infrastructure that's, you know... Um, and is that infrastructure needed to, for those clones yes. and firing those clones an, in? Yeah, an infrastructure that outweighs their huge infrastructure. Because I don't imagine yeah. a New Zealand Stock Exchange website to be sitting on a virtual machine or two virtual machines. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I expect a lot of load balancing, you know. Yeah. So this is a website. There are five servers in front that distributes load according to capacity. So if this website gets a lot of traffic more than the others, he there's an algorithm, they call it a round robin algorithm to distribute. You know, I've taken too many requests in the last five years. Move on to the next one. Move on to the next. So they have good load balancing going on. Then they should have a lot of incident response team. You know, yeah. in that in that kind of situation, you need your focus in the SOC should be incident response. Okay. So if the load balancing fails by the nation state, there should be mechanisms to say our web server is on port 80. And port 80 is getting a lot of attention now. Can we change to port 8080? What what port is it's too technical, but what's port 80? Port is, um, okay, think of a port as a door. Okay. Mm. Right? An IP address as your home address. So if okay. I'm going to send a traffic okay. on the internet to your house, I have to specify the port, okay. which room it gets to. So port 80 is websites, port 25 is emails. Okay. Right. So if I want to attack your email, I'll put your IP address and put the port I want. Now, if I put port 25 and you notice the incident response team notice port 25 is always getting attention. Mm. Yeah, so they ping, ping stuff too. Yeah, they? on yeah. common traffic. Okay. Maybe UDP traffic because UDP, I don't want to go to the <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, let me just call myself back. You know, so it's getting a lot of traffic. Mm-hmm. And my incident response team should have the capability tested and proven to change the email port immediately to 2525. Two five two five. Okay, right. Okay. So the, the hacker is like waiting. What's going on? What's going on? Yeah. <laughs> it's trying, so you're confusing me. Right. Then you change it back. So okay. And how yeah. instantaneous is that when you're 
you can, with our current IT infrastructure, I'm speaking for ourselves, we have outside, mm. we have software defined networking, right? It means all the hardware can be controlled from a central location. So I don't have to log into this router or this server individually. Mm. Everything is in a single management thing. So it's easy to manage. Yeah. In five minutes, you can change that. Right. You can intervene. You could set some algorithms as well to do it. Okay, right. Yeah, you could, okay. you could write, we'll call it um, Chrome jobs. <laughs> okay. Technical term. You could write a Chrome job. If this uh, port gets a lot of traffic, yeah, unusual traffic, change the port. Yeah, okay. Yeah. You know, so it takes a lot of risk assessment, planning, and seriousness yeah. from the board to have security. Yeah. To have a, yeah. like say, think in that worst case scenario, isn't it? Yeah, we, we, we don't do enough, I must say. Most of these hacks are not very sophisticated. Right. So, uh, just on the New Zealand one then, I get, do we know the motive for the reason for the attack? And I presume we don't know who did it. Okay. If I... Outside of you accusing a state of doing it right let now. Let me give you a scenario. <laughs> let me think like a bad guy. <laughs> If I am, um, I don't know who is the greatest, I know the greatest threat, external threat to the US, Russia, right? So, uh, and I don't know about UK, you know? you know. So if you want to crush the American stock exchange, who is going to benefit from it? Yeah. So look there first. Yeah. There'll be other markets that will benefit from yeah, that. Yeah. There'll be, crypto is going to benefit from that too. When the market crash, the value of crypto will go up. Mm. People are going to want to withdraw their money, you know? Yeah. And so it's looking at motive. So really look what, at who's yeah. going to benefit. Who is the guys that are going to benefit from this crash? You know, yeah. maybe somebody wants to buy. Somebody wants to influence the price of this, the stock. So yeah, okay. execute a cyber attack. Yeah. Price goes down. Twitter drops to four percent. We drop to fifty percent. Bye. <laughs> yeah, I know what you didn't need to think long about thinking like yeah. a bad guy. It kind of came naturally. <laughs> yeah, which is a little worrying. Uh, Christian I, gets worried a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Smashing his phone now. So there's, uh, there's organized crime that do yeah. all these things. It's yeah. not. Yeah, it's not a key. Yeah, yeah. Right. it's well calculated, strategic. You know, people didn't know what they're doing. Mm. And one thing before we move on to the next one, which came up when we chatted previously, yeah. just out of interest and let the listeners and viewers know, how many email addresses have you got? 200 email addresses <laughs> at mass count. Wow. But there are some I don't count. You know, for example... The other 400. <laughs> well, there are some I don't count. I think there's a spe- special account I use where I use a fresh email. You know, to, okay. to execute what I need to execute. Right. You know, so, yeah, some you don't count. Yeah, you're right. That's a lot of email accounts. Yeah, I just keep changing. I can't remember the passwords for one. I hope those passwords aren't saved on a database somewhere. It's not hard to figure out what you want to do. I would honest. recommend using, a, like I said, a trustless yeah. system. So, where I keep the password is not a database. Okay. You shouldn't keep your password in a database. You know, there's an app. I know he didn't pay me for this advert, but it's called Master Password App. You Google it. They use an algorithm to remember your password. 
So you need a master password, you need a master username, and you need a, uh, a special key. Okay. One, two, three, four. So they piece all this information okay. and give you your password written. They have no database. Oh, right. Okay. It's right. Um, app for storing password. Okay. But it doesn't really store it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, moving on to another hack, Marriott was a data hack. Yes. I, I think generally, again, I suppose on the business side of things, you, yeah. you hear a lot about the importance of data and you know the stories about Facebook selling data. So I guess, I don't, I don't know what happened, maybe we'll touch on what happened yeah. there, but that's, I suppose, a data hack where we talked before about Twitter hacking celebrities, which maybe for us punters on the street isn't that, yeah. that interesting. Well, doesn't really, who cares? Nobody wants to get to my Twitter account. Uh, but Marriott would affect, because I guess as customer of Marriott, it'll have certain data about me. And I assume it's not so much even like the hackers might have my email address off there yeah. and information. But I assume they can sell it on. So it's not necessarily their motive might be completely different from the onward sale of that or if they just publish it on the internet. You could do a lot of things with a data breach, especially with Marriott, where how many records? About 30 million. Uh, 18.4. Oh, uh, affected 339 million guests. Yeah, that was records. Yeah. It's right. not, probably not unique. Okay. Yeah. And maybe that, those were the records. You mm-hmm. know, okay. Repetitive data. Um, Still a chunky number. Yeah, so the actual unique guest about 30 million. So, right? Which is still a lot. Now, what can you do with those data? That's a very good question. You have the address of the person there, right? I don't put my address on Twitter, right? You have the payment information there, right? KYC. You have the credit card there, you know, maybe next of kin sometimes. Mm-hmm. You have a lot of information there that you could use to do a lot of things. Yeah. For example, there was this hack that happened in America as well, where they targeted, um, I'm, gonna use, I'm saying this for emphasis, they targeted a pension company. You know? So imagine your pension information. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Day now, birth, the hackers used it, according to the allegation, they used it to execute voter fraud. Oh, okay. okay. During one of the county elections and all that. Okay. So voter fraud was used. You know, got your signature is there, your pension stuff. Day of birth, NI, where you worked. Your whole life is yeah. there, your pension. So you could use that to execute things like voter fraud. Mm. You know, you could clone a human being. In the sense of the identification. You could find diseased people there. Diseased people? What do you mean by that? Like accounts that have been probably inactive. Oh, deceased. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Right. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Create a life. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. You know, so what you could do with this kind of information, is, apart from selling them, it's unimaginable. Yeah. I don't really, I don't want to start going. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know? Start throwing off. It's away very, again. very dangerous. So, and, and he, I think EasyJet was another big hack, similar nine million. Was yeah. It? I will talk about EasyJet, but Marriott was, from the look of things, if somebody have access to your database and you don't know about it for, it happened two times, 2018, mm-hmm. happened again in 2020. Same thing? Yeah, I think they were fined about, I have a number here, 
18 million. Yeah, 18 million pounds, right? 23 million dollars, yeah. So after the first one, did they know that happened? So, so yeah, it took them, for the first one, it took them about four months. No, sorry, it took them five years, four years to discover it. Wow. Mm-hmm. Four or five years. It happened in 2014, 2015, they discovered in 2018. And I'm, I'm sure they discovered it when they found the data at in the dark web. Okay. <laughs> so somebody was already selling it, making oh, money out of the data okay. in the dark web. So that's how probably they found it. Not only all audits or systems. Then in 2020, that was January, mid-January, it happened again. And then they found out at the end of February. So a company like Marriott, with a lot of subsidiaries, a lot of you know child companies, don't have data loss prevention experts whose job is go there every day and look at the signature of the data, okay. look at the hashes of the data, analyze all this hash because most of these data are encrypted in the database. Ideally, let's hope so. It seems like, I guess, yeah. the most basic two, two, two failings, which is one, yeah. the breach and the stealing of the data, yeah. but then yeah. waiting five years to, yeah, to kind to of identify them. someone's been in your house. Or even four months, or even, oh, yeah. or even a month. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you sh- if somebody's looking at it, it's just because we don't take the culture of security from the board. It's reflected on how the engineers, how the IT experts do their job. And most of these engineers are not audited. They don't have reporting structure. Yeah. You know, if I'm the head of a SOC corporation like Marriott, I want the, I assume the engineers are going to be a lot, right? Mm-hmm. Big company. I want the engineers to give me reports every day. There is strategic reports, which is monthly. Mm-hmm. You know, tell us stats and give us, you know, some quite generic Although contextualized data, contextualized data, but um, give me tactical reports every day. Of no. Tactical reports. Mm. Where's your tactical daily report? What have you observed? Mm. I mean, real time on the fly, mm. and there's failure. Because yeah. I'm going to say, there's probably a lot of other companies yeah. then that have had data stolen. They they've probably got no idea that that's happened then yes. until. <laughs> So you, there are two, somebody said there are two types of people, people who have been hacked and people who don't know they've been hacked. You know, they know they've been hacked and the, the others don't know and they assume. I think and then when you see the report, they'll say, we have no evidence of further activity or further loss on uh, credit card and all. We know they access your emails. We know they access your first name and last name. Who cares? It's on my Facebook. Yeah, okay, yeah, okay. <laughs> You know, but we don't have evidence that they have assessed your credit card. That's a big lie. How do you, you didn't know they were there for a month. Mm. Now you you want me to trust you, you know, so just to save face again. Do you think a lot of those, like speaking of credit card companies, for example, would they more have contingencies to just pay, pay those losses when people are hacked rather than perhaps dealing with the source of the problem? I think the user, for example, should take huge responsibility for okay. their credit card security or uh, debit card as it just my debit card is we're living in a, a free world there are a lot of banks payments providers 
Why should you have one debit or one credit card in today's world? Why should you have all your funds <laughs> in one account? There is the go-to, like your checking account, yeah. where you have minimum money. So you talked last time, like you have one of the reasons for all the email accounts yeah. is use the word diversification. So one is breached, you have 19 or 199 isn't. So similar with the same philosophy of if I had enough money to spread over enough banks, I could. Yeah, so let's say I have, you know, you need enough, too much money to spread. <laughs> Good. Yeah, you just need the, the logic of isolated computing. Let's say I use one of my pseudonames to lodge into Marriott or pseudo emails. And there's a breach. I'm not worried. Why? Because all I get on that email is Marriott's notification, yeah. mm, okay. newsletter, marketing information. Mm. That's all I get in that email. Yeah. So it's isolated from okay. the email. It's a silos. Yeah. <laughs> I work with the company or recruiter yeah. or the consultancy and all that. Okay. You know. So I'm not worried. So my credit card, have it. It's just 50p there. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just 10 pounds there. So I minimize my risk. So when you talk there about like personal responsibility yeah. for that, you your feeling is that's people are maybe and we're all maybe guilty of being lazy about it because we're like, well, the credit card will cover it if I get fraud, so I can I can leave the card line on the table. I'm I'm not surprised because most of these people they are part of organization. They are part of the larger organizations where the the senior management pays so much money. You know, for security tools and all, but the culture isn't there. So if you are part of a large organization where there's so much awareness, there's so much training, there's a security culture, you could convert that to your own personal life. Yeah. You know, just like I'm making my organizations, many of them paranoid. <laughs> you know, start, you know, telling them attack vectors, you know. Just discussion on attack vectors could make people more serious. Yeah. So these are people, some of them are security experts. Yeah, right. You know, having just one credit card or one debit card. If I lose my wallet today, I'm not worried. Everything is cloned. Right. You, know, you understand? So yeah, yeah. It's that culture that, that failed end users. Well, Marriott was extremely amazing, a data loss prevention expert, looking at those data. You know, you, uh, if you look in depth technically, there are just about few ways to actually breach a database. Very few. Okay. What if I set up an algorithm to detect <laughs> based on what's already there? You know, most of these things are reoccurring. They're not new. Nobody's reinventing the wheel. You know, it's reoccurring issues. Yeah. Okay. So why can't I reverse engineer what's happened before? You know, like EasyJet as well, the same yeah, basis. Okay. You know, let's go to EasyJet. Yeah. They were not interested in financial data. You know, it's the Chinese hacker group. Okay. So good forensics, you know, I'm happy about the forensics they did there. Studied the um, mode of operation of the hackers, the tools they use, how they traverse into the network. And notice that these guys are just interested in intellectual property. You know, if so if you have a hacker, what would that be from an easy jet point? An IP, maybe business ideas. Okay. You know, um, um, strategy. Okay. Company direction, okay. acquisitions, things like that. You know, uh, patents. 
you know, whatever it is, product development and all. So if you're interested in that kind of data, you know, IP can be developed easily. You could change your, tweak your model and all. So it's not as dangerous as the hacker who just want to shut down your business for your competitor. <laughs> like uh, <laughs> um, Flybe. Okay. Let's yeah. shut down EasyJet so Flybe gets a lot of customers. Okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so they plan the strategy, get their servers offline so they can work. And you mentioned the Chinese. Is that so, what came out? Yeah. So the Chinese are the Chinese are uh, no, uh, no, known for their quest for intellectual properties. Okay. Right. Espionage. Okay. Right. So, so would that be like that hacker group then? Not to start throwing conspiracies yeah. around, but there'd be government. Working for it's possible, you know, if they study the mode of operation, not just the fingerprint on the systems, but the whole workflow of the attacks, right? You will understand that it takes a lot of resources to get from one point on the network, maybe gain physical access, you know then become an internal person there. It takes a lot of resources. You could even act as an employee, you know? Yeah. Be stationed close as a cleaner, you know, or an engineer. You could go there as a system engineer, system admin. Okay. So if you need to invest so much resources and you get that information from your forensic analysis, your investi- uh, uh, post-attack investigation, then it's, it's probably sponsored. Okay. No individual is going to have that. And then who is going to benefit from IP? Yeah. Think about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. one of the other ones that I, I recall, you know, recall, Matt, you was uh, and certainly if no one had heard of Zoom a year ago, they have now because it's like yeah, a real Zoom problem. Yeah. So they, they stole credentials. The Zooms, and then so, there was Zoom bombing going on. I don't know whether that was related to the... Yeah, it, there's obviously some hack going on if you Zoom bombing someone. The Zoom issue is quite interesting because they did not hack Zoom. Okay. So Zoom wasn't hacked, you know, as uh, opposed to what a lot of people believe. What they did was um, credential stuffing. Credential stuffing? Yeah. Okay. So credential... hope I got that right. <laughs> credential stuffing. So, sounds like Christmas kind of turkey stuff. <laughs> yeah, they go harvest credentials of from hacked sites, and because people are known for using the same authentication for many sites, okay, I'm going to create a bot. Right, we'll create a bot. I wish you could demonstrate all these things <laughs> <laughs> and use them because a human being cannot use forty billion or 47 billion credentials and tries it's inefficient yeah. you need a bot you need robots so we're going to use a bot to try authenticate against zoom skype okay. teams you know every system and we'll see which one works it's just firing out passwords yes okay yeah, yeah okay yeah right so that's what it did and it worked on the zoom Okay, right. So I just remembered now that there are credentials I don't remember. I create all the time. So check my phone. There is no Zoom. But if I have a Zoom meeting, I'll download Zoom for the meeting. Okay. And create a new credential. 
I don't care if I remember it. Mm. Yeah. Because okay. after the meeting, I'm deleting it. So sometimes when I'm in the meeting, say, who is John Peters? Mm. Okay. So that's me. That's Joseph. Okay. Yeah. I'm just I'm surprised, you know. So I'm not worried if my Zoom, my Zoom gets hacked. Yeah. Because yeah. you're going to find John Peters. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Peters. <laughs> yeah. You know, so okay. then you now use bombing. I don't know. Some people have time. They just go to people's Zoom sessions. For fun. And make a lot of noise, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And be naughty on, on the session. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, so, so maybe to pivot a little bit away from yeah. away from hacks, yeah. uh, and maybe make some people paranoid about their, their phones yeah. uh, and and the, the power and the information in them. So, one of the things we talked about, maybe you can expand on a bit, is the weaknesses of. I'm not picking on Apple and, and, and Android, but it's two names. The major, again, use the word flaws, the issues that you see around uh, ability to talk about applications on those phones. Mm. So, again, we're all familiar with, you know, you've got a phone. Most of us, you know, you just download an app because it's from the Apple Store. You take great comfort from that or you just don't think about it. It's probably the reality. Uh, but that, that's where one of the major weaknesses is uh, from what, and maybe you'll expand on it. Yeah, well, one of the, the first thing I'm going to start with is you should not... Um, you should not really pay for any app, especially apps you can trust. A lot of people download apps, put their credit card information on those apps to use it, maybe a pound, two pound. That's a very good way to have their credentials. Uh, are Apple not controlling that payment process? It depends, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it depends. Um, because those uh, information they are going into, they are going to go into another database. Okay, yeah. yeah. Although one will hope that they are encrypted, <laughs> you know. Yeah. yeah, one will hope they are encrypted, but it depends on how the architecture is done. I will really avoid using credit card for mobile uh, apps. Okay. I will use PayPal. Okay. Or use another payment gateway that cannot be attributed to mine. Oh, okay. You know, unless the end user has multiple payment solutions or multiple payment cards. So that's one. Most of these apps, they are just to invest your personal data. So, so just to go back, that multiple thing might yeah. be where you process the payment and then it sends you a text message with a code on it. That is that type of no, multiple? No, no. just don't l- allow yourself to be uh, profiled by most of these apps because you don't know the source. We don't do due diligence on these applications. Yeah, so so maybe expand on that. So I need, I, you create an app, you take it to Apple, saying I've, I've created a, a yoga app, I want to sell it for a pound. Yeah. Uh, you present that uh, app to Apple. I assume they do some order of it. So you use your Apple. Most times people use their Apple ID. Okay. And in, for Google, which I have a lot of experience on, you use your Google ID, which is just your email. It could be anything, you know. And then within a day, you know, at most, sometimes within hours, the Tell you your app has been approved. Okay, so this is a developer who's created the app. So maybe it's a Google or Apple, and they do some kind of order of the the app, see if it's suitable, meets their terms and conditions. What are they going to check? Let's be honest. They're not going to check the codes. 
that's the why the, the why business the logic will not be assessed. They're going to check the aesthetics, the static, they call it static analysis. Yeah. Does this have terms and conditions page? Okay. Yeah, it does. Check. Is it offensive? Does they have privacy? And some of the things they, they check is when you're putting the information there, you put those information yourself. Is it going to, does it meet the parental controls? You, the developer checks all those boxes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so you have done the assessment yourself. Yeah. Because um, it's not really efficient for them to hire lots of people doing intensive code analysis. Probably it's going to cost them a lot of money yeah. to do that. You know, they were at way benefit. How much are we going to make? They want to make money. So, so that, yeah. that app's on your phone. The, so code, the, the, the code has a weakness in it. The app is on your phone. The code is doing something it's not supposed to do. No. That it's not in the terms and conditions. It's not in the privacy policy page. No. And you're none the wiser. And that's how your credentials. That's no. at the back door. You know, the app is a back door. Yeah. This is the front door. I create another back door to allow access into the phone. Is it fairly common? Yes. Right. There are cases. I think there was one time I posted that uh, if you have, I posted about 13 apps, you know, created by a Chinese company. Okay. China. <laughs> you know? And uh, I think They're China, not going to let you go to China, you know. Yeah, China and <laughs> Russia are competing. Are always the best hacker group. <laughs> so you have to delete these apps on your phone in 2020. You know, I, I listed the apps there. Oh, like, okay. Yeah. Right. Some of them were PDF-related apps. Okay. They help you create convert world documents to PDF. Okay. Some of them are picture filters. People like filters a lot. You know, so I think where we're going with security now is to have a trustless model. You know, where not one company does this, the checks. Not Google does the check. You know, a chain, just like a blockchain, okay. a chain of uh, trustless nodes with different levels of algorithms. Okay. Analyzing the code and say, oh, it's not malicious. It's malicious. Okay. Yeah. You understand? That consensus, yeah. that's where we're going. Okay. Take security, you know, to end users, to end points. Because one source, one central authority cannot necessarily guarantee that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The, uh, again, move on a little bit to just to get your views, really. So we, I watched recently the uh, Snowden documentary. Yeah. And he... You're always talking about Snowden. Yeah. He... Uh, and the story about him. In, so we often think about cyber as an attack from the outside, yeah. where arguably that was an attack from the inside. Yeah. Uh, I suppose it was twofold, really, more just for your general views on, uh, I suppose, governments and the perception at times, even in this time of COVID where you're you restricting a movement and there's, there's certain controls on you that, you know, some people might argue in a, in a free world that shouldn't be there. Yeah. Uh, what's your general views on, let's call them Big Brother? Okay. Um, they're there for a reason, right? They're there to control... Um, there are different reasons. They're there to control 
They, that often wouldn't probably work in a trustless model, would it? Because yeah. you're trusting them. Yeah, but we, we don't necessarily trust them, especially for in the last couple of years, due to this privacy invasion and all that, you know, the back doors they try to create. But for national security, you know, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. Therefore, national security. Okay. So you could trust them trying to spot terrorists, yeah. you know, monitor external threat, threat actors, you know, going into organizations and all wiretapping. Sometimes there's legitimate reason yeah, yeah. to, for Big Brother. Yeah. Okay. National security. But you know, human beings, you know, if you give some guys uh, a yard, <laughs> yeah, they take the compound, you know. Okay. So you cannot control the privileges that will be escalated from there, which is difficult. Yeah. And how, how do you then, if you apply that same philosophy to businesses, yeah. where again, as we talk about Facebook, where it sold your data uh, for whatever reasons it sold it, where does it, where does that line end between trusting someone and not trusting someone? Yeah. So is there uh, a fix? No, you've already traded privacy. Okay. Right? Facebook is free. You know, it's free, but you've paid with your data. So there's no privacy. A lot of people say, okay, I'm, all, I'm going to, you know, keep my data private. I'm going to use Facebook privacy features. It doesn't matter. They need to make money from the information about you. You know, that's the, that's the model. You become their product. The advertising mm-hmm. costs is not going to pay. <laughs> the bills, right? They need to sell this data to organizations who need to do data mining. And was that, the, if you look at Zoomberg then, would that have been his vision on day one? Is No. No. This is uh, uh, something that evolved. evolved. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When Facebook started, they did not have the idea what it could be. You know, organizations, a lot of organizations are sitting on a gold mine. They're sitting on data. They don't know the possibilities of what they're going to happen. So the human factor world is coming. Okay, these guys have given me this level of trust. Well, I could get more. You could imagine what some employees of these social media companies are doing on celebrity accounts. Mm-hmm. They are private messages. Think of think of Twitter engineers having access to their main yeah, backend. Yeah. So they want to see what <laughs> Kanye is DMing. You know, things like that. Okay. You know? So humans will always be humans. That's why I always advocate the trustless model. There's no entity, regardless of what you say in the privacy page, regardless of the policy, even if it's signed by the Senate, you know, or the House of Reps or Parliament, it doesn't matter. Human factor is going to come into play. There's going to be that gray area. Where the laws were breached. Mm. And do you believe when it comes to data then that and your own data that yeah. it's really your sole responsibility to look after it? I think we might use the word data sovereignty. Yeah. That's your So um a lot of things have to go through encryption. You know, there are code words for everything. Like governments use code words, you know. Um some people use different languages. Hackers have code words for various things. So we don't trust the communications channels anymore. 
Some people create their own specialized applications for communication, unless you just want to talk about the weather. Okay. And you use public domain. And when you say probably WhatsApp. Yeah, WhatsApp, yeah, whatever. Facebook yeah. Messenger and all that. Just talk about food. I post a lot of food pictures. Okay. <laughs> you know, talk about things that are not very important yeah. on those apps. But when you want to talk about business, transactions, deals, it has to be extremely private. So if you go back to that Twitter example where they were using Slack, yeah. would the argument be they should have their own internal channel to talk on, not not Yes. Yeah. An organization like Twitter should have a proprietary system for internal communication. Okay, yeah. So the door should, that door doesn't yes. exist. Yeah, so yeah. even though you're going to use Slack, again, chat with, we have a WhatsApp account, but we don't talk about company yeah. information mm-hmm. WhatsApp. Mm-hmm. We talk about lovely things, <laughs> funny pictures, yeah. memes, you know. Yeah. So that's not the channel. The right channel is your internal systems, your encrypted emails, anything that has two-factor authentication supported, you know. So it's, like I said, it's a culture. The infrastructure is there, but we're not driving it from the board level enough. Okay. You know, that's the major, major problem. Do do you think there should be, even going back to kind of the basics of now in school, there should be more education for youngsters with, I guess, again, most youngsters have phones. Yeah probably don't have an appreciation of the, the many of the aspects of stolen identification and the fraud aspect. Do you think that should be part of education? Especially social engineering. So when we're in school, when we talk about uh, security awareness and training, they talk about attack vectors, you know. They talk about technology a lot. But there are many areas to explore with regards to social engineering the weaknesses in human behavior, our tendency to trust people, our tendency to want to give help, you know, so psychological. Yeah, okay. So the flip yeah. side of that is yeah. if, I guess, the, the TV program, uh, the, the documentary yeah. about the development of the social media and how they play on human behavior to yeah. get you addicted, for the one of a better yeah. expression, this is just the reverse of that. Yeah. Right. So a hacker would easily use social engineering, right? In combination with the weaknesses in technology. Well, I can't use only the weakness in technology. You know, for example, on a Friday night, you're rushing to go home, you're in haste to go home, you want to you know, go to the pub, and then you get an email, <laughs> a quick email from the client, maybe a prospect, so-called prospect. What are you gonna do? You're gonna click. You you would not be thinking at that time. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep. So I, I, I've played on your psychology. I know your state of mind on a Friday night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You want to leave work early, you know. So you're not thinking too much. Your guard is down. So all these are things you teach in hacker school. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Don't reply emails on a Friday night. Oh. Wait till Monday morning. Yeah, right. Because yeah. I, again, when I think about being in the business environment, cyber's talked about, yeah. obviously, often one of the best. <laughs> uh, but the, the training you've only ever really, if I look back over my career, is if you see an email and you don't know who it's from, don't open it. And that's as basic that, as it probably gets. Yeah, yeah. That, that's too shallow. I'd rather talk about the psychology, you know, like think like, sometimes think like a criminal. Yeah, yeah. Think like a hacker. 
<laughs> no, we just got a question in from Emma there. Um, so what would your top tips for cybersecurity strategy be for addressing business risk? For businesses, uh, number one, they should take encryption seriously. And that's the hard part. Because when you encrypt a lot of things, it means you have improved authentication. Just from one system to the other, for this server to talk to the client, I want encryption. The hardware to be at rest, I want encryption at the operating system level. I want encryption at the file share level, disk level, you know. I want encryption everywhere, you know. Yeah. And it's hard. Mm-hmm. Because when you have full encryption, then there have to be some decryption, right? Yeah. So when data gets it to the location, there have to be some so that slows down the process of communication. You know, it's not as fast enough, right? For example, there is this uh, functionality on Windows machines called server message block that helps people share files from one computer to the other. And for server message block to be secure, we need to enable signing of this file share. Mm. You know, you go to the, uh, the machine and drill down, enable signing, check it, enable. That means when you send in a file, you know, huge disks, you know, gigabytes of files, it's going to be slower because there's some authentication yeah. going on. Mm-hmm. The server needs to validate that that client is the real client, you know. So the trade-off is there. Little bit of less efficiency or more security. Probably cost, I assume, yeah. as well. Yeah. No, no, I don't think it's expensive. Okay. Some of these um, operating systems and devices, they come with the functionality. Just put it on. Okay. Second top advice is network segmentation. So, again, that pot, that's yes, silos we that, talked about earlier. That's silos. Yeah, okay. You know, I've practiced it personally a lot in my own life. Like I said, I had two phones. <laughs> right, one phone goes anywhere, talks to the internet, WhatsApp. The other phone, I will not WhatsApp on the other phone. Mm-hmm. We know uh, three, four apps on that phone. Okay, we're doing a lot of data authentication and all that. So network segmentation, you should have a demilitarized zone that goes to the internet. Okay, right. Although today, in today's world. The definition of demilitarized zone have changed. (laughs) A lot of people are browsing anywhere, you know, going to the internet and downloading things anywhere. There's no restriction. So these servers go to the internet. These servers don't go to the internet. These servers go to the internet through a proxy. Okay. You know. And businesses should be looking at. And so traffic comes to the network device, the router, the firewall goes to the DMZ and DMZ forwards the traffic to the right place, right? And the proxy, there's a proxy feature there that puts the traffic. So your internal database is not exposed. Mm. Your email is not exposed. It's internal, your email server. So once we have that isolated computing, then we'll, we'll yeah, reducing the risk management we'll yeah, or reducing reduce the risk. Just surface yeah. with that, with that. So, so just to get maybe talk briefly then on 
obviously we met each other through through business yeah. uh, and the, the business you do so that's a reality group of accounts is that right yeah uh, and you work in various areas yeah. around cybersecurity. from i know we initially came just from the yacht side of it but yeah. uh, that's then looking at just any business ultimately that's connected to the to the web yeah or hardware that was non-techie people would say yeah. and then help them with that risk assessment evaluate that helping them evaluate the risk yeah. and trying to minimize the, the ability to do you think there's a lot of uh and it's different from it that was the other yeah. thing as well yeah. uh, not that the it guys of the world can't add value but this is really a separate function yeah. when you're looking at your business and that then i guess it's People coming to you to talk about this is how we run our business. These are how we hold the database, where the database is, yeah. etc. And then talking about the risks associated with that yeah. and the potential worst case scenarios. Yeah. yeah. So what we actually do is, um, first of all, we want to study the environment, right? We want to put a probe, the network monitoring device, to see what's going on. You cannot protect what you don't understand. Do people ever send you into? Yeah. I use the word trick employees, but say te- test the system, send let's dead easy example, send all the staff an email at five o'clock on a Friday yeah. and see how many open it if they don't know the source. Yeah, so uh, what I would advise I appreciate yeah, that's very basic. Yeah, what I would, what what I would advise in that regard is sometimes in the training, in the policy, you make every employee aware that those kind of activities will happen. You're gonna social engineer them. You know, you're gonna Test their psychology. They are preempted before <laughs> executing such because sometimes it backfires. It doesn't achieve the objective. They get pissed off and you know, things <laughs> like that. But in terms of business, we want to understand your environment arrival. We don't just want to recommend solutions vaguely. Okay. Yeah. There should be context, you know. So if you are in intellectual property, you deal with accounting information, you deal with legal documents, you know, we want to see your traffic. Yeah. Who do you send emails to? What IP address? What locations? There are some businesses that should not be open to countries like Nepal, you know, or some countries that don't have any business with their business. Yeah, okay, yeah. So you, you, want, you want to blacklist some countries from accessing your network. Do you find problems, so like VPNs, a popular yeah. thing to use, I assume you've probably got it on your phone. Yeah. Uh, because that's, a, on my understanding of it, is they, they you you don't know how to pinpoint it. What's it, what's it stand for? I can't think what it stands for, the VPN. But yeah. do you have a problem, though, that because it pings, it might, where you're trying to access, because it thinks you're coming from Nepal, because the VPN is saying that to disguise where you're coming from. Yeah. Do, does that cause problems? Yes, it depends on the solution you're using. So there are two types of VPN, the remote access one, which I think you're talking about. So with the remote access VPN, you could specify your source location. Okay. Which are li- not lie, but yeah. say, I mean, yeah, you could say, say America, but I'm really here. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Or you're here. So it depends. Some threat actors will do that. Okay. Some network engineers are experts at blocking, you know, VPN traffic. Can you tell, like, within the hash rates or whatever that is, that, that it's a VPN signal? I the right. Sorry, it's not super yes, technical. you could do that. Okay. If you 
get, we'll call it, um, there's a terminology called traffic in the wire. Right? So because there's traffic in the wire, all this wire, okay. network traffic, we have a tool called Wireshark. Right? So Wireshark is going to inspect traffic on the wire, you know, break them from one protocol level to the other. So if it's HTTP traffic, probably using TCP protocol, I say, oh, what's the device? You could actually see the device. No. Hmm, it's a Juniper device, it's a Cisco device. You know, it's a Microsoft device. Go to Google, check what that device is for. Hmm. The MAC address of the device is there. Go to the uh, different MAC address checkers, you tell you the vendor, you know, there are many ways hmm. to do deep packet inspection. Uh-huh. Manually automated or in automated fashion as well. So you can now say, okay, I don't want this IP. Yeah. This IP is not coming from anything where I think it's coming yeah, from. Okay. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. yeah, 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 yeah. You know, so there are many ways to do it. That requires a lot of due diligence, a lot of you know being meticulous. Yeah. You know, meticulous culture. It's culture. That's, a, that's essentially what it is. Yeah, so and we talked earlier about mobile phones yeah. and the, the, the sort of application side. I assume when you look at laptops, etc., it's the same issues. Yeah, you could um, most of the mobile phones on the network they generate a lot of noise. If you ever set up a monitoring activity for your laptop, when you say noise, what do you mean by noise? Your apps. Now, I think I mentioned this the last time I was here. Um, your apps are talking to different sources, right? Um, they are connected to different APIs that you're not in control of. You don't have to intervene on your app for any activity to happen. You don't have to physically launch your app. Yes, so it's, what they say, it's jogging away in the background. Yeah, there's yeah. background jobs. We call them jobs. Mm-hmm. Running the background to ensure that the vendor puts the right information there some of the functionalities work is from a third party source. So we don't know all this information. Yeah. So there's a lot of noise, there's a lot of traffic, okay. yeah. you know, on their own. Yeah. So how do you differentiate the legitimate ones from legitimate traffic? Yeah. That's where we come in. Yeah. That's where we do the inspection of yeah. wire traffic. That's where we have the triggers. That's where we have the intelligence gathering tools, you know, mm-hmm. the, the traffic analysis and all that. So I think the central focus of our work arrive at use security intelligence at a very much at a much deeper level than just having antivirus software. Yeah, okay. Yeah. You know, <laughs> or having malware scanning your your system. Yeah. Yeah, because Okay. Yeah, no, I was going to move tangents, but go on. Okay. Because there's the known threats, which the antivirus could pick up, but the unknown ones, which is the activity of the bots. Mm. Let's say, for example, on your website, if you have a website, and you say, if somebody tries to brute force my website, get the password, lock him out for two hours after five attempts. That's your rule. Mm, yeah. as, a, as a hacker, thinking like a criminal, I have you that. Yeah, I've studied your rules. What do I do? I'll set up a bot to try and attempt your website every 
at four, four times, not five. Yeah. After four times, IP address change. Mm. Oh, After okay. IP address change, Go so I, I beat your rule. Yeah, right. You're waiting for me to try it four times and lock me up. Well, now I have programmed the boss to try it four times and change the source IP address. So you know the wise one. Yeah. <laughs> so, easy. Yeah, yeah. so you now start looking at so Ryla now comes in and say this activity is too much. Yeah. How are we getting all this activity, this logging attempts? Somebody's doing something mm -hmm. yeah. Nobody's getting locked out. So what do we do? Blacklist. What do we do? Investigate. Yeah. It must be uh do, by being a cyber firm, yeah. is there somewhat of a <laughs> Uh, uh, for hackers to go, well, we're going to hack yeah. them. Do you think you're maybe more of a target when you, as a business, you oh, go around and go, you know, we're really good at because there's nothing better than a hacker going well. I hacked a cybersecurity firm. Of course, we we do a lot of threat modeling. You know, where we understand the data we're trying to protect. We have these meetings to really discuss with stakeholders and try to see if their processing activities have changed. Yeah. And see what kind of data they're processing. Okay, based on the data they're processing, we should be wary of financial trojans, financial viruses, banking trojans, mm -hmm. you know, remote access trojans, things like that. So understanding what we're protecting, understanding the threats there, and the capabilities of the hacker is very that that builds the model very important in building the model. Mm. So without that knowledge, you probably sit there and not knowing what you're up against, mm. unless there's nation states, yeah. which is less likely. Well, what is the government going to be interested? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> China might be actually yeah. been slagging them off for an hour. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, switch tangents again. We talked about passwords earlier. Yeah. I, I read this and I'll just read it out. Um, it said that, that, that passwords are scraped off the internet yeah. by NordPass scraper last year. Yeah. And there was, I think they list the top 200 passwords that people use. Yeah. And in the database, uh, 40, uh, only 44% of passwords that they scraped from the 275 billion, I think that number is, mm. were unique. So then they went, uh, the great majority were a combination of the password, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, one, one. You'd have thought certainly nowadays that's kind of password 101, which isn't my password for reference. Yeah. That's the most basic, but obviously people are still... Yeah, what I noticed... Actually, QWERTY one, two, three. Yeah. Which, what I noticed um, from doing some analysis on um, a database, you know, there are so many hacked data online. You can Google and have fun and review them. <laughs> Day or Friday night. Yeah, just review 47 billion records. <laughs> well, you're not going to use manual approach. You're going to use tools to do that. There's so many tools. I could show you if you want. <laughs> People have this subconscious um, attachment to their password. It's sentimental. It has to be personal to them. No password is... Um, very, no, no password is objective. For example, if you have a card called Bella, your password could be Bella Podcast. 
or, <laughs> or Bella oh Kasu, yeah. yeah. something like that. Yeah. There's this attachment <laughs> of something personal to them. And that comes to your social engineering as well, yeah. isn't it? Getting that behind the psychology, psychology of people, yeah. No, no password is a guess yeah. or a Unless the user cannot remember the password, people like me. I don't know my password. Mm. I don't have to know. Now, if you take that approach, life will be difficult for you. Because you can't just easily access your systems. Or if your password is probably the, the place you got engaged, yeah. combine it with your date of birth. You yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, it has to be something personal. So it's that psychology a lot of people use, and hackers are already smart about it. Right, one step ahead. Yeah. So they build their database around the person, right? And then they have the bots to try it. They keep building that data, they expand it, but it didn't work. Should I go into the gym? The name of the gym is whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, let's let's add that to the repository. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I keep trying, keep trying. Five After four times, change IP address. Okay. <laughs> we'll get it. Mm. They just need to be right ones. Yeah. yeah. So, so when you look at um, military, so look at the US, and is there many stories of people hacking into military? Yeah, that's espionage. Yeah, they want to get, uh, like, I think China did the same thing for the US jet bomber recently. They got the architecture, the design of the new uh, internet, what I call it, the internet-enabled jet bomber. Okay. You know, AI-driven jet bomber. Okay. What, what's that? Can you expand on what that is? It's a, it's a jet fighter. Oh, okay. Right, okay. China got the So when you're talking earlier about IP, yeah. it's that. It's they there. got the architecture to do it. Wow. And then, because they had the motivation, they want to build their weapons because they're tired of spending money buying weapons from the US. Yeah, right, okay. You know? So so is that is that a story that's in the public domain? Yes, in public. You can prove it. Right. China, okay. military. Right. <laughs> Espionage. Yeah. Then... And that must be state-funded. Yes. They send students as well. There are some students who uh, are going to be in trouble with the Chinese. (laughs) (laughs) You're not going on a holiday, we know that. Because students who come, they are known for studying and going back. Unlike us, who found opportunities, you know, and they will, okay, let's try our skills here. Because they are well-funded, it's organized. Study, get the information, get their data, come back. Mm-hmm. Unless equip ourselves, you know. So, so, so just to go back to that plane, sorry. Yeah. So, where would that data have been? That IP would that have been in a government? Yes, on a computer, or was a contractor or computer? <laughs> right. Maybe in the Department of Defense. Mm. This is classified. You will you will be surprised the security mechanisms they use to protect this data. You will be shocked how poor they are. Poor, right? You know. Get on the laptop now. So you, can get into <laughs> you will be shocked at these Trumpy's emails, you know, because, like I said, it's it's not part of it's it's a cost thing for a lot of companies. What's well, going to cost us? It's not part of the business model. Yeah. So, with something like the Pentagon, for example, not be or military defense, not be a closed network. They've been hacked. Not, yeah, Pentagon right. have been hacked. The White House have been hacked. Right. White House website have been taken off. You'll be surprised. Why? It's only one of the greatest countries in the world, you know. So there's some small companies more secure than the Pentagon. Right. Okay. 
Chinese are on there now. Don't put us on the radar. Yeah. <laughs> Please don't hack us. Yeah. <laughs> so there are some individuals who are more paranoid about security than the Pentagon. Yeah. And their mechanisms involves network segmentation, encryption, cutting edge technology for software defined networking to be able to respond quickly to the threats. You know, just sorry, just it still amazes me to go back to that story that the Chinese have a blueprint for technology that yeah. if I was in the US government, I'd be like, spent probably 20, 10 years developing a, yeah. an aircraft in the line. And then somebody still sits in front yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then you have to look at all the human vectors. That's one, one thing that keeps me awake at night the human vectors, right? Me too. Thousands of military people who have. Retired, walk through the process, who know the building in and out, who know the security configuration in and out. Okay. Sometimes people don't change it. Right. Sometimes the access is still there. Right. You know? So, how do you manage that? Hmm. That was just ongoing, I yeah. presume, a daily task again. How many, what was the list of people who have seen the plan for that yeah. uh, jet fighter or whatever it is? So the list is long, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. the process, the iteration, even if you're going to try to isolate the technical development of it, okay, you're just going to know about yeah, this yeah. part of it, you're just going to know about it. It's still a difficult process. Bob Lazar talked about that. Do you know his name? Yeah. Bob Lazar, do you know that name? He's a complete tangent, but yeah. he, uh, he apparently in the late 80s yeah. came out and said he worked in Area 51. Yeah. And he said he worked on technology that didn't exist, yeah. as we consider it was from an alien craft. And the, and he was kind of obviously, you know, lost his reputation and yeah. et cetera. But this, now he's, his story's out again. He's got a, a, there's a documentary about him on Amazon now. Yeah. And, but he talks about back then, they, yeah. they, they, he was just given this small, he was about gravitational pull, I think was his. Yeah, so he was just solely, uh, again, siloed into just looking at this tiny bit of this technology of this craft. Yeah. Without knowing how they fit Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's one one way to avoid it, uh, you know. But to be honest, it requires consistent monitoring, constant monitoring. But so, I mean, somewhere in that yeah. process, that data has to come together yeah. for someone to formulate. So there's always going to be that risk there, isn't there? Yeah. Con- constant monitoring, constant supervision, constant external audits, constant rely- reliance on a trustless approach. Yeah, right. You know, re- reconfiguration changes to the architecture yeah. and all that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, I want to come on to yeah. a few other bits if you've still got a little bit of time. Uh, d- d- dark Don't web. worry about him. He's <laughs> <laughs> hungry now. <laughs> dark web. Yeah. So this is, uh, I've never been on it. Have you been on the dark web? Or you know, I'd say. Yeah, All right. Okay. So this is, I still can't really get my head around. Hmm. It's, no, to, to get onto it, yeah. you, all you hear about it, obviously, negative stuff about the dark web, and I'm sure there's a lot of stuff that isn't good on there. Uh, I'm sure some people maybe just use it from a privacy point of view as well. But this is, explain it to me. Explain where, mm. not where it is, but... Okay, so the three the three tiers of the web is, of course, the surface web, 
which is things that don't need any authentication. Okay. Then we have the deep so, web. So give me an example. That might be so Google search engine. That's, yeah, Google search engine. Yeah. Okay. Uh, deep web, Facebook. Okay. So anything that needs authentication. Okay. That's deep web. You need to put user credentials and all. The dark web is where the crimes, you know, the evils. How you get there? Of the society. Not that I'm asking for. I'm asking for a friend. No, no, no. It's, see, we shouldn't, we shouldn't be scared of going into the dark web, right? Especially if it's for legitimate reasons. No, I'm, not, I'm the same. I've, I've I heard the name, but even if I. I'm scared yeah. of typing dark web because I'll, I'll, ping, up, I'll, ping, up, yeah, I'll ping up on a search engine somewhere. Dark web logging. <laughs> I don't know. You probably won't be able to get through with Google. So you need a gateway. Yeah. So where's that gateway? You're like, you need a router. Okay. Right? An onion router. Okay. So a router that has encapsulated other routers as well. Okay. And sorry, that onion router, is that a piece of hardware or something on the it's laptop? It's a software. software. Okay. So you download Tor. Okay, yeah, I've heard that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So Tor is one of your best gateway to the dark web. Okay. There are many solutions, but the most popular one and cheapest one de- developed by the US uh, Department of Defense. Right. Yeah. As I do remember that story. Yeah. And then they release it to the public. So it's good to go there to investigate, see how much credit cards are up for sale there, PayPal accounts. And it's the structure of it from a, again, from a, a person who's not been there. Do you go in once you're in? Is it still function the same way as we look as the internet? Appreciate Google isn't in there, but is the equivalent to find things in there? Yeah, it works the same. Yeah. The infrastructure is the same or structure. Yeah, you find a lot of things there. There's hacker forums there. Okay. You know, most of the dark web hacker forums have been infiltrated by security experts okay. of government agencies, you know. But I think the best way to protect high-profile individuals is to infiltrate the dark web. Okay. Right. Whether you like it or not, there is personal data attributed to one high-profile person in the dark web. You, yeah, you need to be at the forefront. And that, that yeah. data then, uh, for me, obviously, they've got to be somewhere, so they're just on servers in places yes. that... Is there so probably you know cheap for sale? Like for example, the uh, EasyJet data. You check the dark web. You find out. I won't be surprised. You see the nine million records right. there for maybe fifty pounds, hundred pounds. Right. It's cheap. Zero point zero 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 cents per per user uh, data. So it's there and. Um, yeah, so imagine if you're selling it to multiple people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So much money. The security, the security industry does not match up financially to the criminal world. Okay. There's malware as a service. Hacking as a service. I was going to say, thinking that hackers are always, you always feel one step ahead. Yeah. Naturally, that's the way yeah, crime works. Ten steps ahead. Yeah, okay. It's that 11th step then to have that they know the, let's say, the good guys who are in the dark web looking at what they're doing, so they got a double dark web. <laughs> no. No, okay. Now, they vet. Maybe they should. They, they, Maybe. Before they, you're allowed to be profile, to be, to create a profile on some of these forums, they vet you. Right? They want to see. The, the dark web people. Yeah. The naughty people. They probably want to see that you're a real person. Okay. 
2011, you know, I started doing a lot of creation, pseudo creation, pseudo personalities. So there are some accounts and profiles online you're going to find out. They're not really humans. They're not real people. They look like real, you know. Well, I say if you, if you see, you only see pictures. Yeah, if you're going on dark web yeah. to do that, surely an authentication process defeats the fact that I'm on here to do some naughty. No, that, no, no, they're not going to. You do that create the fake surface web. You know, create your audit trails. You know, I mean, hmm. surface web backdate it. Some people like posting animals and cats. Post whatever you like on your profile, right? Use an object as your profile page. Not your real name. But it has some presence. Use that same identity in the dark web. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you have a long history. When they check you out, oh, yeah, it's a clone mind. Yeah. The one better, right? yeah. So you have a long history there, and then you could um, reveal too many secrets. <laughs> <laughs> then um, you could now pose as a real person. Okay. You know. Even in the dark web, there's fake passports. Hmm. Right. So that's your fake personality could have a British passport. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So there are many things these guys do, security experts do, to protect countries, to protect organizations, to protect high-profile people. Now, if they're plotting against you in a hacker group, let's say you're in a Chinese hacker group, they must have some presence in the dark web. If they're planning to hit a target that you're interested in, you already know. Yeah. So your best your best defense is intelligence. So what do you do? So they're gonna hit your website in two days, mm. prepare. Yeah, okay. Yeah. You understand? That's the advantage of being in places like this. Yeah. You know, or some companies may pay you for uh, to hunt threats, threat hunting. Hmm. They want to see how many data has been compromised. How can you keep up with 9 million records, for example, EasyJet? So check the dark web. Probably up for sale there. Yeah, right. And tell us so we could change our email addresses. I don't I don't I don't think an organization should allow employees to keep one email address for five, ten years. Hmm. After two years, change everything. Hmm. I don't hmm. trust the employees to be faithful with that email. Hmm. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. Let alone where they've yeah, where they've yeah, yeah, yeah. flush everything, recycle everything. So you mentioned earlier about uh WhatsApp. Yeah. I mean I've no idea, but is that obviously one of the biggest chat network channel things? Is that, you know, in your opinion, a secure place to be? Or again, should they be conversations about cats and trees? Yeah, talk about food, send food pictures, don't discuss anything serious. Because remember, WhatsApp is owned by Facebook, Instagram is owned by Facebook. Mm. Um, is it Tumblr? Tumblr was owned by Facebook as well. Mm. Blogging platform, macro blogging platform. There's so many subsidiaries, the ones you know and the ones you don't know about. Mm. Yeah, yeah. You see? They're shell companies. So you should not trust all these end user apps owned by single entities. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it just goes back. <coughs> excuse yeah. me, back to the early conversation about there's some often in these scenarios there's someone at the top or something or some business that yeah. has the ultimate power. Yeah, the, the, whoever controls the data has, you know, has everyone. 
And it's easy to get one of the things you see on, again, you watch, sound like a TV person, but programs where they hack webcams, is that quite an easy thing to do? Yeah. You could search online, even on the surface. <laughs> Just check on the surface web and find out there are CCTV footage in different countries that are not properly protected. Mm. Right? So there are what we call docks. Maybe one of these days I will send you some docs. Docs are specialized search terms, advanced search terms to find things on the internet, okay. on websites that normal searches would not find. Okay. So there's Google Docs. Okay. Right? There are Yahoo Docs, whatever it is, mm. whatever search engine it is. So you could put some Google Docs, you know, to find CCTV footage. Live. Live. Right. right. In the shop. Okay. Right. There's docs to find routers that are exposed with username admin, password admin. You know, I, I suggested recently we should have these live demonstrations, you know, so we see. We're not going to do anything. Yeah. We're not going <laughs> to authenticate, but we show that it's possible. I think that is when people start taking security more yeah, seriously. Yeah. Like, this is not a cost issue. This is not a budget issue. This is part of the business model, you know? So, there, you name it. There, there are VPN gateways. You will be shocked. Yeah. I've seen a lot of exposed VPN gateways. Yeah. It's so easy. Once you put the right doc on Google, there are docs you can use to find Excel spreadsheets. Or even passwords. There are some developers that will work on your website, work on your application, and leave a text file yeah. containing credentials to the server they just walked on. Uh-huh. It's there. Or zip files. One is common zip. So they back up the website and leave it on the server. You just go and grab it. So you get, when you use a zip, you use an advanced uh, doc referencing the zip. For only websites. That's something we do all the time mm. for our infrastructure. Mm. We do a lot of searching. Okay. To see if there's this oh, right. spreadsheets carelessly left there. Yeah, right. And then it comes up. You're shocked. <laughs> there, there must be a certain amount of, uh, it, it's yeah. been about human psychology yeah. intrigue for when you look at cyber and security, there's a good side and there's a bad side. Yeah. For you to, and I don't mean necessarily you personally, but Maybe I do a little yeah. to, to see where the boundaries are on the bad side of not can I get into the US military, but can I is can I test the system? Can is the flaws in it just from a yeah an intrigue point of view? Yeah, so there, there are two ways to do it. Uh, sometimes we do passive. You know, sometimes it's not very invasive. It's not intrusive. You don't breach any law. Yeah. Right. So the info, like I said, the docs. You could find specific websites that has username, admin, as dashboards, right. backend systems. And when you find that out, you don't authenticate yeah, okay. it. Yeah. You report it. Unless it's a honeypot. You know what okay. a honeypot yeah. is? Yeah. Yeah. Unless it's a honeypot and it's clear it's a honeypot. You. Yeah, yeah, to trap you. To just, you know, trap you there. Or unless it's a bug bounty program. The company has said there is a bug, go find it. Yeah, okay. They've been authorized. 
I think I was looking at MasterCard. There's a current bug bounty for looking for critical vulnerabilities on their application. And it's for $3,500. So if you find a critical bug, write a report and send to them. In two days, they'll give you a reply. Right. Yeah. Right. If it's validated, true, they give you $3,500. Mm-hmm. I presume that's yeah. someone's, not someone's job, but people do that full time. Yeah, I did yeah. that during my doctoral studies. All oh, right. Okay. So, yeah, so the way back, back, your background then. Yeah. Maybe we should have talked about at the beginning. Yeah. So I started my journey as a security researcher. I think that was the initial thing that intrigued me into the active world of cybersecurity. So research is very, very specific, very narrow focus. You take a piece of malware in a laboratory, study the behavior, static analysis, dynamic analysis of the malware. I was particularly interested back then in 2013 the cook face malware. It's a recurrent Facebook uh, malware. You know, it comes as a post. It uses your account to post, right? You know, and then your friends like it. Now, whoever likes it, it posts on their account. Oh, oh, okay. So it was it went viral. Yeah, right. So I spent most of my time writing paper on Cookface. So that research, okay, how can I be penetration testing? How can I be an ethical hacker? So that that's interest. Yeah. You know, now more into protection, you know, things like that. So that's how the journey evolved from security researching, reading about in-depth studies. Sometimes you could read about 1,000 papers on one particular kind of malware Uh or one family of malware. It's like an exciting Friday night. Yeah. <laughs> so and I know part of your journey you dealt with blockchain and and yeah, then involved into because you mentioned yeah. uh, consensus before and trustless, which yeah. a lot of that infrastructure is about. That, that is why I don't think the blockchain is going away anytime soon. We are going where we're heading in security. Please take note of this. Mm. You know, put it in a caption. We are going towards. <laughs> A non-centered, non-centric security validation system where one party does not determine the necessary um, security risk of an application or a device. It has to be distributed. Okay. The decentralized. Yes. The decentralized approach to security where your credentials is not on one server. Imagine if your password is distributed across five nodes. Mm-hmm. You want to authenticate multi-signature algorithm activated. Put this first letter, put the second letter, yeah, put okay. the third letter mm-hmm. and everything, then you authenticate. It's going to be slow, but we could find ways, you know, to make it more efficient. But for a hacker to get your password, they have to have A, B, C, D, Okay. You know, keep going. Let's see how how it happens. You know, so um How long is that evolution? Like is that just forever? Yeah. Because you always have to be catching up. Because I guess security is probably always behind, naturally. Yeah, so it's gonna be difficult to breach in a trustless system. It's gonna be extremely difficult from a practical sense. Other than quantum computing, is yeah. that a threat? Yeah, then quantum computing is a controversial, <laughs> is a controversial topic. But um, yeah, it's probably 
in likelihood, you know. I think you mentioned last time that yeah. you felt the power of that quantum computing shouldn't be left in the hands of... Yeah, when it comes to encryption. Okay. Yeah, when it comes to encryption, quantum computing is going to disrupt our current encryption model. Yeah. You know? But authentication is a different thing. You know? So, yeah. even with a quantum computer, you still need to reach five, ten systems. Okay. You can just do it quicker, I see. Which is difficult. Yeah. You know, so but decryption of all these are current standard algorithms. You know, it's gonna be a walk in the park. So, so, so yeah. quantum computing is just power of the computer. Yeah. So what? Where? Where? Where's the cliff that goes from a, a, a normal computer to quantum? What's that? Is there a, a threshold? The threshold. The yeah. Well, is that threshold? Is it a, a number in? Yeah, so let's say without getting too technical, without it's getting, possible. It's, it's, hard possible. To, I don't know. it's hard to get do the but Google just released their first uh, quantum computing that um, does what is gonna take ten thousand years to do? Mm-hmm. Uh, the decryption that will take ten thousand years. They did it within hours. In five hours or so. Mm-hmm. I posted the video last year or so. Right. Yeah. So you could imagine. So if you're using a single computer, it's going to take you ten thousand years to do it. Go through all the possible combinations. Yeah. Now somebody's going to do it in house. Now they're still perfecting it, right? They're still working on the. They'll you know improve that yeah. machine. So you you cannot necessarily give that kind of apparatus that device to one human being. Yeah, yeah. There's no logic. There's no. It's not necessary to have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not really, really needed. But then, do do you not rely on if it's Google who have that? That what? Let's call it one computer for simplistic sake. I will look at it as a research project. You know, probably most of this coming into R and D. So of course, the research project. Of course, you could do a lot of. R&D zone. That's a justifiable reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how, how many are there do we, that we know of? Google <laughs> announced theirs. Well, I'm sure Microsoft should have the project going on so there. China will have hacked them probably uh, in the yeah, last few months and got a copy. Have the project. I'm sure China have their own yeah, stuff yeah. going on there. So nation states, of course, they're going to have quantum hmm. computers. Yeah, yeah. They're already ahead. They're 10, <laughs> ten steps ahead yeah, yeah. of normal people. So, yeah, we need the trustless system. We need decentralized computing. We need network segmentation. We need a new psychology yeah. approach mm-hmm. you know, about this thing. That's something chat, chatting twice now. We really shouldn't be something. scared of the dark web. Go yeah, to right. the dark web. Have a good picture, first-hand experience of the dark web. Mm-hmm. What's going on there? What are the threat actors? What are their capabilities? You know, see the exploits that are being written every day, how sophisticated they are. Mm-hmm. You know, play with all these tools. And that is how we get security as a culture. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah, and that's why I kind of mentioned earlier about even in schools, teaching from an early age, the importance of it. So one final question for yeah. me anyway was when we chatted last time about uh, underwater, there was something that's gone underwater. Service. Yeah, Microsoft. so explain that a little bit to me. So Microsoft, we're experimenting on 
the efficiency of putting their servers. So imagine every app you use, you know, from Microsoft, you know, your Word documents, your servers, Exchange servers, your um, communication apps, video conferencing, all these things require a server that is efficient, that is cool, the environment is cool, okay. you know, mm-hmm. so it's energy efficient as well. I'm presuming yeah. if it's cooler, it's more energy efficient. Yeah. Right. Energy efficient, secure, okay. in a way. So they did, a, they did an experiment for years in Scotland where they put their servers on the ground. Right. You know, so they, it was yeah, less likely to suffer technical failures in the experiments. Mm-hmm. So that's all part of R and D. Yeah. You yeah. know. So I'm not saying you should try. <laughs> <laughs> It's an attack. They put all these things. It's a data center in the water. Yeah, okay. In the uh, uh, waterproof tank. Outside of those efficiencies, is it also more secure from a hack point of view because of the water around? Or is that not no. relevant to it? No, no. It's more about the cool and yeah, the environment. It's about the efficiency. Yeah, okay. It's about how can we sustain our current complex data processing activities. Yeah, okay. Because right now it's very complex. We're video conferencing now. There are a lot of things happening. We mm-hmm. didn't do this 10, you know, 15 years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, at the same time, we have complex applications doing background processing. You know, then we're chatting. There's so much data. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Now, and the hardware, you know, probably are not progressing as fast enough as the software. Right. So how do we preserve? How do we ensure less failure, you know, more efficiency? And that's a lot of research around that. Yeah. So... Hopefully, there will be as much research on security as well. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So, everyone's got a quick one as okay. well, which I probably know the answer to, but yeah. Wi Fi and public Wi Fi's, I presume you yeah. stay well away from them. Yeah. And, and especially ones where they're asking for you to create accounts, I think, whenever you're at an airport or something like that, those ones or, well, anywhere, because everywhere we have nowadays, as soon as you go into a pub, restaurant, hotel, wherever it is, first thing, everyone says is, what's your Wi Fi password? Yeah. Okay, so um, public Wi-Fi depends on what you do on that, right? So if you want to play music on YouTube, feel free. You want to attack the, you want to access the surface web, of course, you can go on your public Wi-Fi. But if you want to purchase an item from an e-commerce store, you don't want to use your public Wi-Fi today, because the guy who created the public Wi-Fi can be in the middle of your conversation from the source to your destination. Mm-hmm. I could put a proxy in the middle and then sniff your traffic. Okay. Remember traffic in the wire. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I could put wire shark in the middle observing where you're going. So any person who creates that mm-hmm. facility for internet access can be in the middle. Okay. That's why I'm scared of ISPs. ISPs? Yeah, internet service providers. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like Seeds, like Monster. I'm scared of them. <laughs> because Freddie pissed the Chinese off. Don't stop pissing local companies off. <laughs> yeah. yeah, because, you know, so you use a VPN if you know you're going to access your emails on a public Wi-Fi. Why don't you have a VPN? They're free open source VPNs, like OpenVPN. Is one of them. They are cheap ones, two dollars a month. 
you know, some people use a device, a facility to connect to their home, the home router. Okay. Mm-hmm. So there's a tunnel from their phone using the public Wi-Fi. So now they're browsing from their home. Mm. All right. Okay. Yeah. yeah, because they have some security measures on their router. Yeah, okay. So yeah, so it depends on what you're doing on the router because. You, and you mentioned one of the, if you want to be more malicious about it, is yeah. that you go into an airport, you go, you throw free Wi-Fi, mm-hmm. click it and yeah. get on it. So that's, well, you could be sat three seats away and you've created Heathrow yeah. super fast free Wi-Fi and I'm going to click on that because yeah. my psychology is, well, it's going to be better than that and it's free, I click on it. And I'm, I'm and you're going, working on your business. Yeah, and I'm going, and but I'm really, you've you're just got full access to everything then. Of course, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm being the wire listening. It's such a basic one now as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We call it the evil twin. Okay. You set up an evil twin, you know, using just a wireless adapter. You know, I love us to do this experiment. <laughs> you know, set up the evil twin, show people how easy it yeah. is to have an evil twin. Like the Correct, if you sat in an airport for an hour, you'd have the bus, in no time. When, when you ride the bus, the Isle of Man bus, it's bus Wi-Fi. Yeah. Yeah, nothing stops you from creating bus Wi-Fi too. Yeah. And everybody's on it. Yeah. Yeah. And once that, once that door's open. And the door's open and then you, you, if the traffic is unencrypted, our worry is the encryption. That's why my first proposal is encryption. So if that traffic is unencrypted, it's a huge problem. Okay. Yeah. You know, so if you have good encryption from your company email, you know, accessing the company email server to wherever you're going, fine, you're safe. Well, most times companies don't keep track of this encryption. And yeah. then I could be in the wire huh. and get all your data. Mm. So we're off down the yeah. river to throw our phones <laughs> in on that. No, 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 yeah. Our router, yeah. Organize uh, so- a demo. I, I think. Uh, you know, you should be looking forward to a hacking demo. Yeah, okay. You That'd know, be interesting. We go through wireless up. security, go through email security, web yeah. security, and go to the dark web. Okay. okay. Show people how these things really happen. You know, how easy it is. Yeah. It happens. The difficulties, you know, and maybe where is SOC operations, how we can come in. Okay. You know, to detect. Yeah. And... How quick we are to respond. respond. Yeah. It will it will bring a lot of value, I think, to businesses. Yeah. And you guys will be the partners of the first <laughs> demonstration. Cyber <laughs> hack podcast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so thanks for coming in, Joseph. Yeah, Thank you very much. Really, yeah. really fascinating subject. Yeah. I'm sure there's lots more to dig into. There's a lot more. And I'm trying to avoid the technical the technicalities <laughs> as well. So yeah. Uh, don't confuse you. <laughs> <laughs> no, thanks for coming in. Nice question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you want to check us out, Matt? Yep. So, wherever you're listening or watching today, please like, share, subscribe, and leave those five star reviews. Pretty please. On social, Facebook, we're the M Word Podcast. Twitter, we are Manx M Word Podcast mm-hmm. number one, because we've changed that. Yeah. And then on Instagram, we are the M Word IOM. And it's just occurred to me, don't throw your phone in the river because then you can't download <laughs> a podcast and yeah. listen to this. So, yeah, that's another good reason. So yeah. thanks for letting us in your sexy ears. It's Word Out From On yeah. and Word Out From Matt. <laughs>